Uh, I encourage you to take the Word of God this morning and uh, turn to the... I'm going to ask you to find three passages of Scripture, and uh, I know that's not... It's not good, uh, good uh, hermeneutical practice, all right, to take the three passages of Scripture, but we're going to do it anyway, all right, and to help us to put a, a good picture on our text today. So I want you to find Exodus in chapter number 2, Exodus in chapter number 2, Acts in chapter number 7, Acts chapter 7, and Hebrews in chapter number 11. It's a privilege to be able to be a part of uh, Pacific West Baptist College. Every now and then I still find myself saying, the old name, but amen, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure some of you still write it down every now and then, but, uh, but I'm just thrilled to be a part of here, and this is why, uh, because I've been the recipient of, of, uh, of men of God, uh, pastors, uh, and uh, men that have given their ministry, their life to the training of, of, of uh, other ministers for the future, and uh, I know the Lord says we're to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. And so we need more laborers. We need you, uh, and uh, we need a thousand more just like you. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, but uh, uh, my dad always taught us this. Sometimes you have to put feats to your prayers. Amen. Uh, we can just sit around and pray, pray, pray. And then, uh, but there's a reality is that we have to get out and do as well. Amen. And uh, we can pray for souls to be saved, but then we also need to go out and be a witness. Amen. Amen. Uh, we need to go out and share the gospel with, with someone. And uh, we can pray for God to send forth laborers, uh, but at the same time, we need to realize if we've been given uh, much, much is going to be required. And uh, so it's a great privilege for me to be able to come and teach and to be a part uh, in what God's going to do in your life and your ministry. And uh, I'm just, uh, I, I receive much and I get to give back and uh, get to be a part of uh, Lord uh, 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 taking and training you and, and bringing you to a place that, uh, that God can do something great in your life. And I trust that's what's going to happen with each and every one of you. Uh, let's look here in Exodus in chapter number 2. And uh, we're, gonna, we're right here in the story of Moses, the beginning uh, parts of the story of Moses, really. But look in verse number 11. <clears throat> There's a great gap uh, I mean, between verse 10 and verse number 11. Here he's a child in verse number 10, and now he's a 40-year-old man in verse number 11. Uh, so uh, he's uh, grown up. Moses has grown up. And uh, now is having to make some decisions uh, for his own life. And it says this, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto, Beth, uh, unto his brethren, and he looked on their burdens, and he spied the Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, <coughs> one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, Two men of the Hebrews strove together, <coughs> and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And now Pharaoh heard this thing, and he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of the Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down uh, by the wall. And when the priest of Midian had seven daughters, uh, and they came and drew water and filled their, uh, filled their troughs of water uh, their father for, to water their father's flocks, and the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. And when they came to Raoul, his father, uh, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? 
And they said, The Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flocks. And he said unto his daughters, uh, Where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and they called <clears throat> and he called the, his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now go over to Acts in chapter number 7. Acts in chapter number 7, and uh, gives us a, a, a little more of the picture of what was going on here. And in fact, uh, verse number 25, I think, is very key to understanding the mind of why, why Moses did what he did here uh, in our text. But look at Acts chapter 7, verse 22. It says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty, look at this, in words and in deeds. Now, it's not necessarily the Moses we think about uh, that God uh, shows us at the, that we meet at the burning bush when he meets with God. But this, uh, this Moses at the age of 40 was wise in words and in deeds. And it says, and when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him of uh, him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. And look at verse 25, mark this down, for he supposed, this is what he was thinking at the time, he supposed that his brethren would have understood how God by his hand, that's the hand of Moses, would deliver them, but they understood not. He thought that they would understand that when he stood up and he slew this Egyptian, that they would understand that it was by him and by his mighty hand, the hand of Moses, that deliverance was going to come to his people, but they did not understand that at all. Go to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. Hebrews and uh, chapter number 11. <clears throat> and it says in verse number 24, it says in verse 24 of Hebrews 11, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches uh, than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect to the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This morning I just want to take a few moments uh, uh, and preach this to you. God's hand not mine. God's hand, not mine. Yeah, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for, for your goodness and your grace upon us. I thank you for Grace Baptist Church, Brother White, Brother Silver, and uh, the work, the effort, the time, uh, the, the finances that are spent to, uh, to make uh, Pacific West Baptist College possible. And uh, God, I pray that you just continue to strengthen them. I pray that, uh, Lord, you're, you would uh, continue to move mightily. As, uh, as they uh, are attempting great things uh, for the cause of Christ and for uh, your kingdom. Lord, would you bless them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
The story of Moses uh, uh, is kind of, again, I mentioned it as we were reading in the book of Exodus. It moves forth rather rapidly. Uh, he goes from being a young child, uh, being raised by his mother, now being brought to the Pharaoh's house, and, and uh, then being educated and learned in all the ways uh, of the Egyptians. And uh, uh, he, was, uh, he was grown up there in Pharaoh's house. And by the time we get to verse number uh, 11 in Exodus chapter 2, uh, the book of Acts tells us he was 40 years old. Uh, that, uh, that's a, a good amount of time that's passed in his life. He's had a lot of training that has gone into him uh, uh, from that point in time. In fact, the word learned in Acts in chapter 7 and, and verse number 2 tells, uh, uh, it says Moses was learned. It, it means that he was, he was reared up uh, as a child uh, uh, would be reared up. They, they took him and they trained him in, in everything that they had to offer there in the land of Egypt. Uh, he was educated. He was disciplined in, in the thoughts and the thinking and the ways of Egypt. And uh, uh, he was um, instructed in the ways of Egypt. And he learned, uh, learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And we talk about the wisdom of the Egyptians and the thinking of the Egyptians. We know that would be vastly different than the wisdom and the thinking of Almighty God. Uh, but in the, the world's view and in this time of history, uh, that would have been the greatest education one could have received. Uh, it would have been a, 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 a very uh, wonderful, I mean, the, the world would have looked at this education and thought, man, this is Ivy League style education. This was the best uh, that the world at the time had to offer. Uh, uh, if you will, Egypt was the center of the known world at that time. That would have been the place where uh, uh, people would have looked for strength and power and might. And, uh, and because they had strength, power, and might, they also uh, must be the smartest guys on the planet. That would have been uh, the best education the world had to offer at the time. And he had all of it. He was, he was learned, he was trained up, he was educated, he was disciplined in all the wisdom, the Bible says, of the Egyptians. And, and, uh, uh, and, and so he had a, a, the world could look at who Moses was and what Moses had, and, and it would have been very impressive to the world. But we understand this at the age of 40 when we get here to this passage of Scripture. Acts and Hebrews especially helps us to understand uh, that uh, Moses knew that that was not God's plan, not God's call upon his life, that he would just be some wise man in Egypt and watch his people, the people that he knew were his people, uh, to be abused and to be uh, uh, beaten and to be harmed. He knew that was not the will of God. And uh, so at 40 years old, he decides he is going to stand up and do something about the injustice uh, that he sees going on. Uh, in fact, the rest of Acts 27 and verse 22, when it says he was, tr he was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians, it, it goes on to say that he was mighty both in words and in deeds. He was mighty in words and in deeds. And certainly we can understand this Moses as he sees this injustice taking place. These Hebrew men are being beaten by this Egyptian. And he steps in and he intervenes and... He determines that he's not going to allow this injustice to take place, uh, that he is going to do something. So he takes that Egyptian and by his own hands, he slays that Egyptian. And, and then he has to flee for his life. But we have another thing to help us understand that he was mighty in deeds as well, because after he even flees, he gets to that well where uh, uh, the uh, daughters of the priest are there. Uh, uh, and uh, he, as he's there by, uh, by the, the well of Raul, uh, with the daughters of Raul, and they are watering their flocks, and then others 
shepherds come and they begin to run his daughters off of the well so they can get the water for themselves, uh, Moses stands up and he defends them and he runs the shepherds off, meaning there was more than one, there was plural shepherds, that Moses himself runs off and then he waters the flocks uh, uh, for the women. And I'm telling you, this Moses, while we, we would think of Moses and we had the idea of Moses in his later years, some 40 years later when Christ meets him at the burning bush, we have the idea of Moses, oh, meekest man. And the Bible even says that of Moses. He was a very meek man. He was a very uh, a humble man. I mean, we think of Moses and Moses like, I can't talk, God, I can't do anything and I'm not worthy and I'm not capable and I'm not able and, and you're going to have to use someone else. You got the wrong guy. That's the Moses 40 years after he wandered through the wilderness leading sheep, not the Moses of Exodus in chapter number two. The Moses in Exodus chapter number two was mighty in words and in deeds, was very capable of handling himself in, in the art of combat. He was not afraid to stand up and speak up and, and, and to make sure everyone knows his presence was uh, known when he was there. That's the Moses of Exodus in chapter number 2. And there's some things that change uh, between his 40s and his 80s. And if you talk to many people, they tell you a lot of things change between your 40s and your 80s. Amen? I'm not there yet, but I'm, I've heard a lot of rumors. Amen? Getting close. My wife, is she's an old lady, and uh, she tells me that 40 is a, you know, it's a big, big number. I've got another year to go. Amen? <clears throat> Moses... Um, uh, in his 40s, in his 40s, when he was a, if you will, a younger man in his 40s, Moses thought and was of this mind that, that uh, he, he was going to step in and he was going to intervene and he was going to be uh, the answer for the nation of Israel, that he was going to be, uh, if you will, the deliverer uh, for the nation of Israel that needed deliverance. They absolutely did need deliverance. There was no doubt about it. They were aware they needed deliverance. Moses is aware that they needed deliverance. Uh, but the, but uh, it was not Moses that was ever going to be the one that brought deliverance. All right, follow me. It was never Moses that was ever going to be the one that brought deliverance to the land of Egypt. There's only one that was going to bring deliverance to the land of Egypt. That would be God himself. Uh, Hebrews and Acts help us to paint the picture uh, of exactly the idea that Moses had. And I, I made point of it in, in verse number 25 uh, um, as, we, as we read through there uh, that he thought, he supposed uh, that his brethren would have understood that how that God by his hand would deliver. He, he knew that God was calling him. He knew that God was moving upon him. Uh, he saw the problem. Uh, he was uh, aware that there was a need. And, and so as he looked at the situation, as he walks out on that day, uh, uh, he knew that he, he, it, was, it was time. I mean, he just knew it. It was time for him to stand up and do something. And I don't, I don't know if you've watched too many Westerns in your life, but uh, I mean, I, I get the picture of, I mean, on this day of, of Moses, it's just how my mind works as I was reading. Uh, I just thought, man, it's like John Wayne walking into town. Everybody know the great American John Wayne. Amen. Thank you, Brother Tim. Uh, and, uh, and, and so here, John Wayne, if you're not aware of, uh, uh, of, of uh, how Westerns works, uh, when, when John Wayne walks into town, uh, criminals are going, I mean, bad guys, I mean, they fear and they quake in their boots. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's a persona of John Wayne coming into town. I mean, he is going to clean up the mess. He's going to right the wrongs. John Wayne is always the good guy, and he always gets his man. That's how John Wayne works. That's how all John Wayne movies work. I mean, even when he's the bad guy, he's the good guy. It's amazing how a John Wayne movie works. And so here, here uh, uh, Moses walks into town, and I mean, I can just hear the, you know, the, 
I mean, he sees the, uh, he sees the Egyptian uh, hurting the uh, Jews, and Moses thinks, man, I, I, I know what I need to do here. I need to stand up, and I need to show everybody that I am capable of taking care of them, that they can trust me, that they can follow me, that they can, they can be assured that I am not going to allow them to be hurt nor harmed uh, any longer. And it was by his hand, he supposed, that they would understood, God has brought me here so that I could be a deliverer unto you. That was the mind and the thought of Moses on this day when he sees this taking place. And we see, so, I mean, Moses began by thinking he had a plan. Moses thought he knew when he stood up that day and he slew that Egyptian, he thought he knew what he was doing. He thought that he knew the mind of God. He thought that he, had every, he, he could have everything under control. He thought, he supposed uh, that he would be the deliverer. He thought by his mighty words and his mighty deeds, Israel would be delivered. Uh, he, so he rose up and he slew the Egyptian. <clears throat> That's what he did. But knowing what to do doesn't necessarily mean I know how to do it. Understanding to see a problem and, and assessing a problem and knowing that there is a problem doesn't necessarily mean I have the answers to fix the problem. I know exactly what to do to solve a problem. Case in point, you can be driving through town and your car can start to make you know, funny noises, all right? And, uh, crunching and grinding of gears, all sorts of strange noises. And, and uh, for me, I'm just a, uh, an average guy. I know how, this is how I know a car works. You put gas in it, you put a key in it, and you step on the, you put it in gear and you step on the gas and it goes, amen? That's my extent of mechanical information. Uh, it, it goes a little deeper than that, uh, uh, but not much. Uh, I mean, when it comes to the sitting on the side of the road, and, uh, and, I, and, and I've heard a lot of noises, and, and I've heard some, some problems, and there's smoke coming out from under the hood, uh, I don't go, I know exactly what's wrong. I'm going to go get the toolbox. I'll get this thing fixed. No, I, I'm, the, I'm not that mechanically minded. I'm going to have to call a mechanic. I'm going to have to get a tow truck. I'm going to have to get it to the shop. I'm going to have to have the mechanic charge me an exorbitant amount of money uh, to tell me what's wrong and, uh, and get it fixed by someone else. I can add oil to a car. I can put air in the tire. Uh, I mean, I can do some basic things like that. But when it comes to a major problem, I don't even know the beginning of assessing the circumstances surrounding what that is. I, I mean, for most of us, electricity is the same way. I don't like touching electricity. I, I don't like getting anywhere near electricity. I took a class when I was in high school, and it showed you how to help, showed us how to meter or, or showed us and tried to teach us how to use a voltmeter, you know, the thing with the dial, and it has those two little probes that you stick and poke into all the wires. You get one on the ground, and then you touch, and, and then the little dial goes like this, you know. I, that's about as much as I learned about it. I, I, I didn't grasp the voltmeter. Uh, I, I didn't get that. I, I, I'm afraid, I know this about electricity. Uh, when I flip a switch, the light comes on. When I, when I flip it off, it, the light goes off. And, uh, and if, 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 if I don't go to a breaker box and open the breaker box and go, oh, the breaker is flipped, there's the problem. I can just easily flip the breaker. You realize with me, I can see that there is a problem. I'm in the dark. Amen. We have a problem. Uh, I can do a couple little things to assess the situation. Uh, but ultimately, if flipping a breaker or turning on and off a switch does not work or changing the light bulb does not work, guess what? I'm calling an electrician because they know what they're doing. I don't. And so just knowing that there is a problem is not the same as knowing uh, uh, what to do. So here Moses was aware that there was a problem. Moses aware that God had, uh, was going to use him as part of the answer. Uh, but Moses was wrong in his assessment of who the deliverer was going to be. 
No, no, no. Moses knew there was a problem. Moses knew that he was part of the equation to the answer. I mean, God was ultimately uh, uh, going to use him. And, and yes, that's true. Oh, but at the end of the day, it was never going to be Moses that was going to be lifted up as the deliverer. It was always going to be God. And what God did not need was a man to take all the glory. Uh, what God did not need was a man to, uh, to, uh, to go ahead and have everybody give accolades of how great Moses is. And let's sing the praises of Moses and let's, uh, let's be thankful for Moses. No, no, no. He was going to use Moses to point to himself uh, that men might glorify God. Your, your life and my life is the same way. Uh, God is going to use us. And God, listen, uh, this might not sit with somebody real well, uh, but you understand with me that ultimately your salvation was not about you. It was about the glory of God. That God came down, he, 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 he desired to save your soul and he desired to give you a home in heaven. It, it was not the, about how great you were and that men might be able to be lifting you up and men might be able to see who you, you for who you really are and, and understand that you're some great preacher or some great teacher or some great Sunday school teacher. No, no, no. It was about God receiving glory through you and God was going to groom and bring Moses to a place to where Moses was actually in a position 40 years from this date where Moses just said, God, you got the wrong guy. Lord, I can't do anything. There's no way I could possibly help in this situation. You know when I tried to stand up before uh, what happened, you know I've made a mess of these things. And that's the Moses we remember. Uh, but listen to me, God had to bring him to a place to where he was able to understand that it was not him that was going to bring deliverance. It was only he who was going to be a mouthpiece of God. It was only he that was going to deliver the message of God. It was only he was going to stand in the place of God and deliver the message of God so that the work of God and the glory of God could be seen in the nation of Egypt and among the people of God, Israel. It was God who was going to use Moses. And God was going to have to bring him a place from where he was mighty in words and deeds to where he thought he could do nothing and he could not even so much as speak words before men. God was going to bring him from a place for, uh, from where he thought he was the hand of deliverance that was going to be to Israel to a place where he knew there was, I mean, my word, there's nothing possibly I could offer to the nation of Israel. <clears throat> Many times Christians fail in life because they... Because they think they can be, they are the answer to their problem, instead of understanding that God is the only answer to the problem. God is going to teach Moses. God is going to take Moses, and He's going to put him as an under shepherd. Come on, it wasn't his flock, was it? It was his father-in-law's flock. This is important. God was going to take Moses, a man who was mighty in words and deeds. He was going to put him on the backside of a desert, and he was going to allow him to lead another man's flock. And as he wandered through the desert for 40 years, as he led a flock for 40 years, as he shepherded for 40 years, then he was going to be right in the position to where God could show himself for who he is. God could reveal himself to Moses, and God could actually use Moses 40 years from now, where Moses thought he was, had all the answers today. Pretty good application there, isn't it? You, you realize that as you are training for the ministry, if you're here and you say, man, I, I desire to be a pastor, I desire to be a Christian worker, I desire to be a leader uh, uh, in a church, understand with me, uh, it's not your flock. God, God didn't call me to be a, the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. 
Uh, you understand as a pastor gets up and preaches, a pastor gets up and teaches, a pastor gets up and, and, and leads, he, he does so uh, not by stopping and saying, listen, I have this of myself and, and by my own mighty hand, I have this great revelation on how we can accomplish uh, uh, the things of God. A pastor stands up and he says, listen, I believe this is where God would have us to go. Shall we all follow him together? Come on, I, I believe this is where God would have us to be led. Uh, would you follow me as I, this is how Paul said it, he said this, follow me as I follow the Lord. That's what God was going for. That's the heart of an under-shepherd. Uh, not one that says, I have deliverance within my hand, but one that acknowledges uh, that it is only God that brings uh, deliverance. It's only God that has deliverance. Look at Exodus in chapter number 3. Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number... Uh, uh, Look at verse number 19. Uh, he says this. I'm sorry, look at verse number 17. He says, I have said, I will, be, I will bring you up out of the afflictions of Egypt and the land of Canaan, uh, 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 unto the land of uh, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Hittites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, and uh, the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord, not Moses, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, uh, uh, we, uh, we beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness, uh, that we may uh, sacrifice to the Lord our God, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, nor, uh, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite the Egyptians. Whose hand? God's hand. It's not your hand, Moses. It's the hand of God that's going to win the battle. It's the hand of God that's going to do the work. I will stretch out my hand and smite the Egyptians, and with all the wonders which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. God said, listen, Moses, it's not you that's going to do the work this time. It's not you that's going to step in. It's not you that's going to intervene. It's not you that's going to think that you're powerful enough and mighty enough to accomplish the work of God of yourself. It's, it's listen, it's I who I'm going to accomplish the work. I just simply need you to go. That's all I need you to do. Look over in Exodus in chapter number 6. Exodus in chapter uh, number 6 says, in verse number 6, says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the, the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out, uh, out of their bondage. I will redeem you. Uh, with a stretched out arm and with a and, and with great judgment, and I will take you to, to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the bondage of the Egyptians. Listen to me, God is the only deliverer. <laughs> the deliverance only comes from God. I, I, I'm, I, it's, there's nothing more rewarding, I, I'm just telling you, than to be in the ministry and to be uh, have an influence in people's lives and to be able to bring somebody from, I, I mean, from a place to where they don't even know who God is and they have no idea uh, 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 what life is all about to a place where they understand who God is and they understand their need of salvation and they bow their head and receive Christ. I'm telling you, uh, I mean, that's a very rewarding thing. Uh, but in the midst of it, you realize what we uh, are teaching them. We're not teaching them anything that 
we've done for them. We're simply pointing to them the things that the mighty hand of God has, has done for them. It's what God's accomplished in your life. And to, to, to cause someone to come into, uh, into your office and they just have no hope or someone to sit in the pew and they have no hope and they have depression and we just live in a day where uh, and things like depression and bipolarism and all, all these different things are just running. I'm just running rampant among people's lives because they have literally no hope and the circumstances surrounding their lives, I mean, they just don't have any way of ever finding hope. And to be able to point them to God and say, listen, uh, the God is a God of hope. God is a God of deliverance. And God's not a God that causes us to live in deep depression and sadness and woe is me and feeling sorry for myself. No, no, no. God is the God of, the, uh, 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 of Israel. He's a God of deliverance. And, and listen, uh, while they might be able to stop and they might be able to say, thank you, pastor, I'm telling you, you better be very careful. To point people back to the Word of God. Say, well, it's simply the Word of God. It's simply the Spirit of God. You understand, you and I do nothing but by the Spirit of God working through us and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Word of God enlightening the hearts and the minds of people so that they might be able to understand how great God is. Yeah. Deliverance only comes from God. And at what point in time you and I as the ministers of God think that it's, man, I'm telling you what, we are really doing something great for God. We've, I mean, we have so wonderfully accomplished uh, uh, great things for God. Oh, my word. Oh my soul! I'm telling you, we're we're of most men, mo, uh, uh, we're of all men most miserable. God God didn't look at Moses and go, my goodness, look at all the training of the Egyptians. He has all the wisdom of the land of Egypt. He's a smart, I mean, he's mighty in words and deeds. He's really got something that I could use. All the wisdom of the Egyptians. It would help me to accomplish that which I desire to do in my people and deliver them. No, no, no. That didn't impress God whatsoever. In fact, God had to train the wisdom of the Egyptians out of Moses in order for Moses to be profitable to his people to allow God to receive glory for delivering them. <clears throat> we get to a place in our, uh, in our lives uh, where, where we have opportunities. Each and every one of you are going to have opportunity to serve God. You, you realize what needs to take place if you're going to take advantage of the opportunities that God is going to give you. You're going to have to make preparation. You realize that what you're doing right here today in going to classes and, and, and being taught and, and sitting through chapel services and, and all this, this college stuff and learning that you're doing, it's, it's not a waste of time. It's an opportunity to prepare you for what God desires for you to do in the future. It's not like, all right, we just got to get this done so I can get around, get on about the real business of life. Moses was 80 years old before God used him. 80 years old. He, he was older than everybody in this room. I'm pretty confident. All right, no, I'm not. All right, he was almost as old as everybody in this room. All right, I was trying to be nice. All right, so, amen. But, but listen to me, before God ever used him, don't act like what you're doing here today is a waste of time. God took not four years, 80 years of preparation to get Moses to where he needed him to be so that Moses could be a blessing to the people of God. 
And we can stop. I, I mean, I, I remember, I, I mean, just when I was in college, I would stop and go, oh, my God, on. I want to get out. I was ready to get out. I wanted to get into the ministry. I wanted to get, I mean, get my feet in the water. I wanted to get my hands dirty. And, and, and it, I'm telling you, it didn't take me too long to stop and go, man, I should have paid better attention in that class. I'd find myself going back to notes that I took in, in, in school. I'd find myself calling teachers, calling my dad, calling other people. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how to handle this problem. I don't know how to handle that problem. And you know what I found myself doing a little while after I was in the ministry? and got my hands dirty and got my feet wet, I found myself drowning, going, man, I need more education. <laughs> I need more preparation. I need, I need more help. I'm telling you, this is not a wasted opportunity. The will of God is fulfilled. Get this statement if you don't get anything else. The will of God is fulfilled when preparation meets opportunity. You say, I want to fulfill the will of God in my life. I want to do something great for the work of God. Uh, Then take time to prepare for what God has called you to do. And and when you have a proper preparation, then that's going to meet opportunity. And and when proper preparation meets opportunity, uh, then we get to bring glory to God. We get to fulfill the will of God in our life. Moses, at the age of 40, was ill-prepared for the opportunity that God was offering him. But God was going to, by leading him to be a shepherd and training him to be an under-shepherd and teaching him how to lead a flock for 40 years. He was going to give him the preparation he needed so that when he stood before the Pharaoh, he had the preparation that was necessary for the opportunity that God was going to give him. And when you think of all the great things you desire to do for God, I'm telling you, and not in a million years did Moses think, listen, this is what you're going to do, Moses. You're going to throw your rod on the ground and you're going to pick it up at a snake. At 40 years old, he didn't have that kind of stuff in his mind. Moses, you're going to stick your hand in your coat. You're going to pull it out. It's going to be leprous. You're going to stick it back. It's going to be white. It's going to be clean flesh again. You're going to turn the water into blood. You're going to bring grasshoppers. You're going to bring flies. And I mean, I'm telling you, in Moses' wildest dreams, he couldn't have concocted the story that was going to transpire in his life and that who's going to see the mighty hand of God do. Uh, but because of the preparation that God had put him through and his willingness to go through the preparation process, I'm telling you, he was able to see greater things done than he ever dreamed because he went through the proper proper process of preparation. Today, God God doesn't need your strong hand. He needs you to realize and and recognize that he He has a great, mighty, strong hand, arm by which He desires for you to lead. Today, listen, God's not looking for the greatest orator. He's not looking for the greatest leader. He's looking for someone who, who, who is humble enough to look, stand before him and go, God, I got nothing. I have nothing to offer. I don't know why you would want to use me. And that's exactly who God's looking for because God's looking for someone by, by which he can bring his deliverance to people, not your deliverance. If you want to fulfill the will of God in your life, like Moses was able to fulfill the will of God in his life, you're going to have to submit yourself to a preparation process that causes you to get to a place where you know nothing and you have nothing to offer so that you can look to heaven and say, listen, I got nothing, but I have a God that has everything. I, I, I got nothing to offer. I, I've got nothing to give you, but God, I know God has a lot He has to offer. God has a lot He has to give. Always remember that deliverance is in the hand of God not yours, not mine. It's in the hand of God. How does a church get built? By the mighty hand of God. 
if it's, if it's the personalities that are in the auditorium, the personalities that are on the platform, I'm telling you, it's not of the work of God. But when the personalities in the room say, you know what, it's not about me, it's about God through me. And when a church says, listen, it's not about us, it's about God through us, understand, then, then any work can be done. Anything can be, I mean, the sky's the limit of what God can do among a people that humble themselves before Him and realize that deliverance in the life of every man comes by the hand of God, not by the hand of mighty men, not by the, not by the, the words of, of great orators, but by those who are willing to humble themselves before God and allow God to work through them so that God's glory is seen and not ours. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. God's hand, not mine. God's hand, not mine. God doesn't need the next great preacher. He needs the next humble servant. God doesn't need a great, the next great leader. He needs under shepherds. He's not looking for the guy that's going to revolutionize the ministry, who has all sorts of newfangled ideas. No, no, no. God has a plan. I mean, you can go back to the end of the book of Genesis and you can read how God had, He already had a plan to deliver His people. He was simply waiting for the, for the servants to make preparation to be able to be leading in a way that would, would bring Him glory instead of themselves. What might be hindering us the most this morning is that we're seeking the wrong glory. People think, man, I'm the great preacher. I don't think we should be striving to be known as dummies or poor preachers. I'm not saying that. But when we stand to minister, when we stand to do anything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it would be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and not the glory of men that we'd be seen. And then God can use us to do something great. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'll turn the service over to Brother Silver for the invitation.